<laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! I didn't say that. John did. <laughs> Can we John, just are you gonna see Eddie for now? Brady? Hell yeah! It looks kind of bad, but I'm gonna see it. It's freaking Grace and Frankie, man. That's not why I care. I mean, I do like Sally Field and whoever else is in it. What's Jane, name? Fonda, Jane Fonda, Lily Collins, Rita, Lily Tom, Lily Tom, Rita Moreno. Yes, from West Side Story, Oscar winner. There's Never two Oscar that. winners in that movie. In that, and Tom Brady. Is. Well, Rob Gronkowski's yeah. in it. Danny Amendola, uh, Julian Edelman's in it. Yeah, see so. those ones. I don't know. I just I want to see Jane Fonda. But it's about Tom Brady. I know, but Tom Brady has been around for so long, no one cares anymore. Talk about someone else. Have you guys seen the trailer, though? Because I think the... I didn't realize that <laughs> they're so old that they don't know that the tickets cost, like, a ton of money. So they're like, oh, we'll go see the game, whatever, it's no big deal. And they get there, and they have to, like, go to scalpers and stuff. They're like, $4,000? What the fuck? It's like, they have no idea. That's the whole movie. They're <laughs> just trying to get in, and when they do, Brady breaks his leg, and they're like, well, <laughs> crap. Can you imagine? That'd be too bad. Yeah. I'm gonna kill myself. Okay. Um. Yeah. So lethal weapon. <laughs> lethal fucking weapon. That's Merry right. fucking yep. Christmas, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. Merry Christmas to everyone listening. It is the 22nd, I think. Yeah, December 22nd. As you're listening to it, so the holidays are right around the corner. Yeah. Before we get into lethal weapon here and why I picked it, um, I do have a trivia question <gasps> that pertains to the film, as I always. Mel Gibson. Do. He's, He's in the movie, the so you're on so you're on the right track. <laughs> He's part of the multiple choice. Um, well, you guys, well, we all Who just watched the most Lethal like Weapon. a porn star in Lethal Weapon. Is it A. Mel Gibson, B. Danny Glover, <laughs> C. I have to go with A. <laughs> Gary <laughs> Gary Busey. <laughs> Sorry, Gary Busey. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Okay, I couldn't I couldn't think. Okay, before we do this. What was the other movie that we watched that Gary Busey was in? Was it The Firm? He's in The Firm. Yep, he's in The Firm. Eddie Lomax is his name. Yeah, I remember him being in, like, an office, and then he gets, like, shot a bunch. He's also um, in The Player as himself, which we yeah. have seen. Um, he also voices the greatest horror villain of all time, the ginger dead man. So, my question here, because we just watched Lethal Weapon for this episode, and Lethal Weapon is a franchise. It has four movies that you can go and watch right now. But a fifth one is in active development and apparently it's coming out in 2023. So just around the corner, we oh, might shit. be getting a Lethal Weapon 5, which is just crazy. But my question to you guys is, who do you think is going to direct Lethal Weapon 5? Multiple choice. We have Shane Black, the writer of the original Lethal Weapon, directed directed to the nice guys as well in Iron Man 3. We have Richard Donner, the director of the original Lethal Weapon movies. We have Mel Gibson, the star himself. And then we also have Danny Boyle. So Danny Boyle, wow. Hmm. Without going into detail on some of these choices, I just want a simple answer. I'll start with Nate. I will go with Danny Boyle. I'll be weird, and I'll pick the one that wasn't spoken about as much when his name was brought up. Danny Boyle, okay. He's an interesting action director. Interesting choice, hmm. okay. So, I don't think it's Danny Boyle, because I think if he was going to make a Lethal Weapon movie, it wouldn't be a sequel. He would just, it would be a total remake, because it's, 
I don't know. I just think that they would give him, like, they would just reboot the franchise if they're going to let Danny Boyle take it over. So, I don't know, did, um, you probably can't tell me this, but the guy who directed the first one, did he direct the other three? He's directed all of them. He directed oh. all of them. Richard Donner. He also yes. directed The Omen. Okay, fun fact. Um, and also Shane Black is the writer for all four. And my I now a director, yes. And he wasn't a director at the time. He was a screenwriter. Hmm. Mel Gibson, he does like to direct films as well. But do you see him having the ego to direct a movie in a series that he's been in? I don't think so. I think, yeah, definitely. He would get drunk on set and direct this. Um... Ah, God, I it's not Danny Glover, because that would be funny. He would just be sweating profusely the whole time. I'm just going to go with, they're bringing back Richard Donner. He's doing it again. He's just doing another one. All right, so in 2020 and 2021, they brought back Richard Donner to direct Lethal Weapon 5. Unfortunately, he passed away in July 2021, <laughs> and his one request was that I will pass the reins on to Leave the Weapon 5 only if Shane Mel Black. Gibson directs it. Oh, wow. So Mel Gibson is supposedly mm. directing the fifth Lethal Weapon movie that is coming out in the next year. I don't know. There's a picture at IMDb of Leave the Weapon 5, and it's them in the front of the car looking behind in the back seat, and it's them just with like looking all old. and <laughs> just Nice. Like, Does he have the same really haircut this? or no? <laughs> See, no, that's the problem. Is they just they, they just keep making sequels to these franchises that have been gone for Dude, twenty plus at, years. Look at every yeah, like, single weekend right now. I mean, obviously Avatar. It's been a long time coming, but like every weekend, it's something new or something that's been done before. I mean, well, yeah, and even just like the streaming platforms picking up random movies to make sequels on like next week we have um, knives out Two, which i hear is great and i definitely want to see it it got a nomination um, for best drama at the golden globes it, it probably which, will i mean be in the oscar con- contention too i mean i hear it's good but also like um uh netflix next year is going to release beverly beverly hills cop 4 with eddie murphy coming back and so <sighs> it's just they are making all these, yeah, like legacy sequels all these years later that, you know, I mean, they can be good if they're done right. Mel Just Gibson don't. directing is a choice. He's very selective with the projects that he does direct in every movie that he has directed is really fucking good. And I think, I mean, he knows these characters for sure. He was in all of them. So I think he would be an interesting choice uh, if you don't have Richard Donner, who was 93. Two when he was going to come back and direct the Holy fifth shit, one. Holy shit! That's, so, that's I had really, a feeling really he had died. <laughs> that's really so when you died. said that, I was like, he was in pre-production on five though. <laughs> Apparently, they're going to stick with oh. the same kind of story they all came up with. But um, I'm sure he would have loved to do it. But yeah, um, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. No. So I don't know if they're. It hasn't been filmed yet. I just it's in pre-production. They've done some like chemistry camera tests. So that's all that's really been done on *Lethal Weapon* five. But it would be interesting to see if that does get released if it's going to be theatrical which i hope then maybe i have some high hopes because yeah mel gibson he could, he could do some cool stuff here and he, he knows the franchise so and um better than anyone better than so, anyone. maybe if they did it I like just, a like a top gun maverick type of thing where there were two new cops imagine if it's that good too and it's all <laughs> like, imax cameras and they do all their own yeah. stunts and they actually like I mean, I don't know. Hey, jump off I'm buildings a, without a Tom Cruise thing to catch the villain. Them. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm all for good movies. So if it's good, I'm down. Um, Realistically, though, it's going to be a good day to die hard with Jack Courtney. Yeah. 
but no, no, I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Anything in the middle of that is probably not bad. Yeah. But uh, before we get into the film itself, uh, this episode is brought to you by Anchor, and Nate just ran away from the computer monitor, and he's running to go light a fire and grab a nice glass of whiskey to tell you all about it. Alrighty, well, for those of you listening that have never heard of this film, I'll tell you a little bit about it. It is Lethal Weapon, it came out in 1987, it is directed by Richard Donner. He's directed films like The Omen, Superman the Movie, Superman 2, and The Goonies. Has wow. Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, and Gary Busey in the cast. A uh, little plot and logline. Two newly paired cops, who are complete opposites, must pair aside their differences in order to catch a gang of drug smugglers. Very generic logline right there, but this film invented the formula. So it has a 7.6 on IMDb, 80% Rotten Tomatoes with an 86% audience score, and a 3.8 on Letterboxd. Um, why did I pick this movie? Because I knew this episode was coming out around the Christmas time holidays, and I remembered that this movie had some weird Christmas undertones for some reason. I remembered like a Christmas tree drug bus scene. I remember Christmas tree lights. <laughs> I remember Christmas music for some reason. But when I think about the movie itself, it has nothing to do with Christmas. <laughs> it has everything to do with just cops and trying to find the drug uh, smugglers. And it's just an action movie. But watching this again in like the mindset of like, okay, where's the Christmas undertones? And it fucking opens with Jingle Bell Rock. I'm like, wait a second. Are you fucking kidding me? It really goes this hard in the Christmas undertones. But it's why I picked the movie. And also because I knew that you guys, Nate and John, uh, you guys had never seen this movie before. And it invented the buddy cop action movie genre. Come on now. Was this really the... Because I, I was wondering that throughout. I'm like, okay, did this invent buddy cop? Is this the original buddy cop? Because I feel like... Name one eight, that came out before it. When did this come out? 87? Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. That's not... That's yeah, but they weren't Western. cops. That's a Western. Yeah. But like but the like, buddy yeah. kind of... The two not Beverly Hills cops with the, the well, that's, chemistry and kind of. Uh, if that's the case, then we can go back to like Bob Hope and stuff like back in the fifties. Yeah. yeah, but the other guys, here. come on, the other guys yeah. are Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Two thousand ten. Okay, I know your yeah. mind doesn't go back that far. But <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, there's a big brick wall between two thousand ten and anything beyond that. So yeah, even though we have a full episode on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, um, I but, don't remember. I block it out. Yeah, yeah I mean, we no, can this tell. One, I mean, Die Hard was the year after. I mean, this movie was pre-Die Hard, even though it's the same producer. It's Joel Silver. What um, is it Joel about? He didn't even have a buddy. Knows how to do those crazy cool action movies. But, yeah, so, Nate, I mean, did you know much about Lethal Weapon before watching this movie? I mean, obviously you've heard of it, but, I mean, what did you know about it? I knew the spoof when Peter Griffin was doing an MC Hammer <laughs> spoof and he goes just like the bad guys from lethal weapon 2 i have diplomatic immunity so hammer you can't sue i know um all i knew about this was these the two leads and the fact that mel gibson's character was supposed to be this unhinged like nutcase and i didn't understand what they meant until the whole christmas tree thing because i laughed so hard because the way he smacks his face and then he does like a weird Three Stooges thing, I just, I was like, okay, I'm going to like this movie. And I will say right off the front, out of like this, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and The Nice Guys, 
I gotta go with Lethal Weapon. Like, that's the king. Because... That's the king. The other movies only were trying to emulate what this movie was doing. Yeah, they were just trying to copy and kind of recycle the formula just with some different twists and turns with the storylines. But yeah, this one definitely laid down the blueprint of what how these movies kind of should be. But okay, so I gather that you had some fun with this one. John, uh, 1987 here, Lethal Weapon. You've seen a lot of movies that are similar to it. <laughs> oh, man, endless movies. The first one that comes to mind is obviously Nicolas Cage and Justin Bartha, National Treasure. With them them working together, it's just like the ultimate combo. So <laughs> Nanny walks out of the room. <laughs> so I said I was going to weave it in. He can't hear me. Um yeah, I mean this. This is uh, you know you're talking about like the. I mean this movie hasn't come out yet, but like Deadpool and and Wolverine, like the, it everything leads back to Lethal Weapon. Apparently, I just learned that right now. But going into this movie, all I knew was Mel Gibson with a nice '80s haircut, and then Danny Glover doing his thing, and I assumed it was going to be kind of your your paint by numbers action movie that also just happens to t- take place on Christmas, which I guess was a thing in the '80s, like. I'm assuming Die Hard maybe looked at Lethal Weapon and was like, oh, no, we want to be the go-to Christmas action film now. Like, let's just... Because it doesn't matter. Like, this could take place any time. But the fact that Richard Donner, like, fought the studio to be like, no, we're using Jingle Bells over the 20th Century Fox logo in the beginning. Because <laughs> I had, like... I turned the movie on, and it starts playing, like, Jingle Bell Rock. and like... What the fuck? I told like, you, I warned you. Like, I said, I, hey, I'm going for some unorthodox Christmas movie picks. I, it's so in your face Christmas, which I'm not complaining, but it was just like, the movie hasn't even started yet, and we're already celebrating Christmas, and great. I mean, I, I'm not upset if we watch it at the perfect time of year, but... But, like, not to mention, and it's perfect, too, is this movie set in Los Angeles, California, where yes. it's still, like, sunny and 70 degrees, where it never really does feel like Christmas. I mean, dude, I live so, in fucking Miami. It doesn't... My Christmas tree, exactly. my cat knocked it over today and broke two of my ornaments, and I could care less. It's just... There's no Christmas spirit where I am. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it just <laughs> okay. It does suck. I mean, we grew, we all grew up in Maine, so obviously Christmas is uh, it oh, feels it like so Christmas much. where we come from. Obviously, yeah. It, it it felt more like Christmas than Die Hard. I did, I think, because it does play Christmas songs kind of here and there throughout the movie. Rewatching, um, yeah, definitely rewatching this because I've seen this movie once before, and it was maybe like six seven years ago um and i really liked it i don't remember why i liked it and then i was reminded why on this rewatch because this movie just is it's the, just fun yeah, exactly it's so yeah. fun it's the quintessential buddy cop action movie that does all of the story beats that we're familiar with but it also it does it in a way that they could only get away with in the 80s with mel gibson and danny glover to just Polar opposite people. The casting was phenomenal here because you have Mel Gibson, who is this unorthodox, crazy, unhinged, suicidal cop who, like, you don't know if he's in it for, like, just to get, like, a pension or if he's actually, like, if he really cares. But he is just off the walls. And then you have Danny Glover, who is just a family man who is he just turned 50. He's just been doing this shit for so long. I mean, his the, the famous line is. I'm too old for this shit. I mean, like, I'm sure you guys have heard that throughout uh, pop culture and stuff and movie quotes, and this is definitely famous from it. Um, I think that the famous line that people... It's actually one of the most misquoted lines because people will say, I'm getting too old for this shit, 
but they don't actually say that quote until the second. I and think third Lethal film Weapon filmed. two, he get he maybe switches it up a little bit because he, he says does. it a bunch in he the does. second. <laughs> yeah, but he does say it like four times in this movie, and I'm like, yeah, you probably are, man. You're probably too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think Nate mentions the Christmas tree scene, which I think is such a good introduction to this film. Like, I mean, other than the opening scene where you see some boobies right away, and I was like, oh. All right, welcome back to the '80s. This is this isn't so bad. Um, and then she immediately jumps off of a balcony and dies. Yeah, but seriously, welcome um, to the '80s, where you open the movie with a naked prostitute committing suicide. I was like <laughs> doing Whoa, cocaine, but it was just snorting a line of cocaine. Yeah, it was yeah. like the most upbeat suicide scene I've ever seen. Though, well, no, like, because okay, you, have, you have Jingle Bell Rock opening <laughs> of like the night skyline or just like the city life of California, and then it transitions immediately into like a dark, sinister score. Of just like, yeah, this naked prostitute just doing a line of cocaine and then jumping off the balcony and killing herself. Uh, <laughs> but it was a nice, nice slow-mo, nice landing, good POV as well. Um, I almost, It almost felt like a euphoric experience as, as if I was kind of putting myself in her shoes. Yeah. Um, but when this movie really gets Christmassy is when the first drug bust takes place at a Christmas tree farm. <laughs> I was like... As if it wasn't Christmas enough already, watching Mel Gibson like slap himself and fight these dudes and almost it it happens a couple times in this movie, but like overact a little bit where like they've they've gone beyond the script kind of where they're just sort of making shit up. They're committed to their yeah. to their performances and their roles. And honestly, watching this again, I just am reminded of just how fucking great Mel Gibson is as an actor. Like, he didn't need to bring so many layers and depth to this performance, but he really did. I mean, you, especially that scene when he is sitting in his apartment and he's looking at his picture of his dead wife and he is about to kill himself. Oof. Like, he doesn't even say anything. And yeah. it's like a three to four minute scene. It's all in his eyes and his performance. And Mel Gibson just brought that to this role and it, it was really fucking hits it's, you. That's the darkest part of his... I mean, storyline, because once you see that early on in the movie, you're like, okay, I can part ways with him kind of being a little bit, um, he, he doesn't really go by the book, given the situation when he's when he's working as a cop, so he doesn't go by the book, he throws it in the trash, like Tom Cruise and Top Gun Maverick, but it, it kind of makes you sympathize with the character for acting that way. I mean, he's also really good at it, too, like this is what he's best at, is murdering people, so it kind of works in his favor. Um, but you ever the, met someone that you haven't killed? Well, I haven't killed you yet. <laughs> that's a good line. No, that's a really that's good line. That's in the the movie. This movie does have so many great lines. But Nate, how'd you how'd you feel about this movie overall? Like you said, that scene with Mel Gibson just sealed it for me because the that's what I think separates this movie from all other buddy cop movies. Because after this, I feel like they are like, all right, we're two cops, we're very different, but we got to be funny about it. This one, they they're it. funny, but it feels more natural because of the two distinctly different characters. Danny Glover, 50, family man. Like, the first scene you see of him is his kids running into the bathroom while he's taking a bath. It's so awkward. And the, <laughs> and the first time weird. you see Mel Gibson it is his bare-naked ass getting out of bed and going and drinking a beer at, like, 7 a.m. So I'm like, okay, it's funny, but it feels more legitimate. Um, it's better than seeing Eric Bana's ass. That's what I always say. It is what you I always will say. It's annoying. Yeah, I do say that a lot. So, what? <laughs> I just thought it was so funny because when we initially find out that she's like seeing somebody with blonde hair and dimples, you would never in 
ever think of Gary Busey as this handsome well, blonde man with dimples? Doesn't now, even have dimples. Yeah, okay, bro, dude, nowadays, then, when we think of Gary Busey, we think of the Gary Busey meme that he is today. But it's not his fault that was he, in, was he a sex symbol back then in the eighties. In the eighties, so. he was a he was a go to character actor. He was in Point Break. He was in all these other movies like Lost Highway, we just talked about. Um, no, but that it just threw me off because I thought it was funny how when we finally find out that the daughter is seeing Gary Busey I'm like I imagine like a Ryan Gosling archetype like I didn't imagine no, Gary Busey <laughs> Gary Busey and then I love that scene too when they go and interrogate uh the the daughter of who was killed with the prostitute his name was Mike in the in the film but it was and I was like Gary Busey in a helicopter he's wearing like a white turtleneck just pull like the helicopter just like rises up and they shoot him as he was drinking fucking eggnog <laughs> it shoots through his eggnog <laughs> 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 and he dies. Poor and guy. then Gary Busey just in a turtleneck, just like with a sniper out of a helicopter, just shooting. And then Mel Gibson with a pistol unloads a full clip, like at distance, like at the helicopter, just fucking fully committed. Which he's I a lethal loved. weapon in this movie. I mean, he is, he, and I like that they really said is. that in the movie. Like the line was literally like, uh, "Oh, maybe we ch- we should register you as a lethal weapon." Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's probably Roll why credits. I got three sequels because of that with the fifth on the way. It does go to some dark places that the sequels do not go. The second one is really, honestly, it might even be better than the first one. It kind of leans into what really works with the first one so well, which is the buddy cop dynamic. It's the chemistry between Danny Glover and Mel Gibson, and it leans into the action and the comedy a little bit more, and it works really fucking well. But this one definitely has some darker themes that I still really like. Like It has that grit that I really like with some of these 80s action movies, like especially when you can finally go like full unhinged like, and have Mel Gibson running down the highway shirtless with a machine gun. He like, looks like fucking Rambo. Busey in a car. Full he was on. straight up like, Rambo in this It was movie. insane. And I literally was like, I was like sitting up on my seat just like, let's fucking go, like get him. <laughs> like I was so into Mel's character. And when he was getting tortured too and just how he just wraps his legs around that guy's neck and just breaks it and just runs out yeah. and throws his body at the other guys and just takes them all out. <laughs> it's just fucking awesome. Who wins yeah. in a fist fight? Lethal Weapon, Mel Gibson, or Rambo? Sylvester Lethal Stallone. Weapon, Mel Gibson. Let's go, Mel Gibson. He's, he weapon. has the crazy unhinged. Like he's not afraid to die, which is if a, they don't have guns eye. and it's a hand to hand combat, it's Mel Gibson. Yeah, yeah. I guess because whenever you look at Rambo, he usually has some sort of weapon, but you see, dude, you like see, a knife or he's got something like a hunter's knife or something. Mel Gibson in this movie, he he can full on knock Gary Busey out with his fist. So, Mel, I think just Mel Gibson was the the highlight of the movie for me just he has to be when he's up on the roof of the building talking to the guy who's about to jump and he's like dude i get it i hate my life too like i've thought about it but like you don't see me crying about it oh you want a cigarette here all right see you jump i jump like it doesn't (laughs) even matter and the thing that makes it the best is they hit they eventually jump land in the the big pad that they like save people who jump when the guy he's handcuffed to is screaming like he's crazy he's crazy and mel gibson's face is just a shit-eating grin just laughing (laughs) like yeah i did it how did he get out of the cuffs (laughs) because he threw the key and then all of a sudden when they get off of the the beans the the bag someone ran someone ran to him and uncuffed him and then did it basically they used the cuffs and he's like i want my cuffs back uh so he must have thrown it to someone must have there were so many people down below someone must have someone caught it i guess 
But I, I like that scene too yeah. because like <laughs> Mel Gibson, his character, he's not afraid to die, and he is testing this other guy that is putting up this scene of I'm gonna jump, and he's like, "Really, you're afraid to die? I'm not. So let's just go together. And fuck it, I'm gonna bring you with me now." <laughs> and just like <laughs> takes charge, Could which is imagine? crazy. And then, but that that next scene too, like it just kind of switches gears immediately to darkness, where uh, Danny Glover's character grabs him, brings him into that building. And he's like. What the fuck are you doing here? Like, are you just are you actually suicidal? Are you actually just fucking nuts? And he literally is about to fucking shoot himself in, in the face. That scene right there is where Danny Glover gets the sweatiest in the whole film. Because, like, you look at him in one cut, and he's dry. And then you cut back to him, and he's profusely sweating, covered in covered in water. <laughs> because <laughs> scared, I feel yeah. like that... And I totally understand. Like, he, he... It's his first... Pretty much his first day working with Mel Gibson. And then, like he jumps off a building with a guy that's suicidal like that's the first day on the job after they grab some hot dogs and then <laughs> i i just think that he might have overacted a little bit in that scene and a few others like that's my only nitpick in this movie truly other than just it's so fun so it's hard to nitpick a movie like this but that scene in particular was like i was like all right dating glover you gotta reel it in a little bit tone it down he just did his job and saved this dude's life like you can't just you gotta you gotta be on his side a little bit right now yeah, his but, methods he, are but the way his his methods is so crazy and not by the book that he's just uncomfortable by it. And Danny Glover doesn't want to die. He's a family man. He wants to keep the peace. But yeah, with man, this new true. cop, you got this unhinged dude that is just literally trying to fucking kill himself at any turn. That's why he doesn't let him drive throughout the whole movie. He's like, "Do you want me to drive?" No, you fucking ride shotgun because <laughs> like, he just doesn't want <laughs> he's to a smart guy. kill himself until finally at the end when. Uh, uh, which I loved actually too is when Gary Busey's character like swings around and he shoots Riggs, he shoots him in the uh, in the chest with a shotgun and he like blasts through the the glass and they think that he's dead. And so when they go to meet up, when Danny Glover goes to meet up to exchange for the daughter, they don't think that Riggs is alive. So he's that sniper and he's basically like, oh yeah, they have that conversation which is a great fucking scene. It's them in the house and it's all dark and it's only lit through the Christmas tree lights. <laughs> and they're basically like, you got to like Murtaugh, you got to trust me. Like, I know you don't, but you just have to trust me. We got to do it my way. And like, I'm going to be the sniper. We're going to go in and you got to do it. And you're going to have to shoot. People need to die. It's <laughs> possible. Like you're going to have to shoot to kill here. That's where this movie, I think it, it, it sets itself apart a little bit from all the other buddy cop films because it does have those good character moments. Like, that was a genuine... Like, two dudes drinking, the daughter comes out, she's like, hey, I know I smoked grass in the house the other day. And, like, kind of Mel Gibson's on her side about it. It's those little moments that make it the movie more si style over substance a little bit. Because... Or no. It makes it more than just the action scenes, I guess. For just explosions and shit here and there. So... Um, it does make you really care about these you characters get, a lot you more. You get time to establish their characters and their chemistry, which I think they have dynamite chemistry. I mean, yeah. they're so polar opposites, and like I, they even have it in like the score. I mean, that saxophone cue throughout the movie at that, times. That score was so hilarious apparent. because yeah. it's all, it's so. It reminded me of like Marvin Gaye, "Let's Get It On" or something. Like throughout the movie and scenes that are supposed to be not intimate in a sexual way, felt more so it reminded of me of those like <laughs> detective noirs in a way like yeah the, that's true yeah that's yeah because it is like that mystery of like there's a dead person and we got to figure out who who killed him and because uh, there's there's so many parallels to the nice guys with this movie i gotta rewatch that 
That's really? the Russell Wilson. Okay. I rewatched that like six months ago. It's a great. I Shane remember Black liking it a lot. It. I remember yeah. liking that movie quite a bit. Um, is isn't it like a? Uh, isn't it a heist movie or? No, it's 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 a detective type movie of like someone is dead or missing and they're trying to figure out where they are and it's the pairing of two opposites. You have Russell Crowe and you have uh, Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Ryan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's them like working together and kind of same here, but yeah, just Martin and Riggs are just so perfect together. It's. It's a pairing that you don't think is going to work as well as it does, and it's only brought by these insanely good performances from Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. But Nate, what was your favorite scene? If you have one, my favorite scene is the it's the Christmas tree one where he's he's testing this cocaine, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, yeah, this is good. How much? Hundred? And he goes, "Okay, cool." So he starts counting the money, and they realize he thinks it's a hundred dollars. He goes, "Shut up, shut up! I'm, I'm losing count. Ninety-one, ninety-two, ninety-three. <laughs> they're like, "Enough! Hundred thousand dollars? Oh, I can't afford that." <laughs> and when he first does his slapping thing, he does this weird Three Stooges. He's one of the only cops ever that, when he's being grabbed and he has a gun to his neck, most cops are sitting there panicking. He goes, "He's like, no, shoot him." shoot him come on guys shoot him and they're all pointing at him like shoot him (laughs) please don't fine i'll do it and then he eventually disarms him but that was my favorite scene because you just look at him he's like you think i'm crazy (laughs) you think i'm crazy you really (laughs) you think i'm crazy (laughs) so it's hit himself and he pokes him in the eyes which i love too because that scene does seem so just out of the blue and it's like that was very three stooges-esque and then the next scene when he's in his trailer park He's watching he's the watching stages on the TV, so it's like okay, he's inspired just by what he sees, and also just like his his exchange too, because yeah, he just did cocaine, so he's probably feeling the effects of it. Uh, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's a real badge. I'm a real cop, and this is a real fucking gun. Like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but he yeah. gives my favorite line in the whole movie, and he's so quick with the one-liner jokes. Yeah. He goes. Uh, Danny Glover goes two inches higher and you would have been a dead man and Mel Gibson goes two inches lower and I would have been a falsetto for life (laughs) I was like exactly okay but when he's like the Asian guy goes yeah he doesn't know anything no one could go through that kind of torture and then the minute he walks over to him to do it again he does what you said he puts him in a triangle and then breaks his neck with his legs and somehow is able to propel his body up so that he can unhook himself and run back out. I'm like, you know what? It's Mel Gibson. It's fine. I'm 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 already on board. And then, and then when Danny Glover sees him, he's like, thin, anorexic, because he's just fucking ripped. He looks good in this movie. <laughs> Dude, he looks he, he. It's really like full good. on like uh, Sylvester Stallone Rambo. But in terms of suspending disbelief, my favorite scene in the movie took place in the shooting range. When okay. where he makes the smiley face, it, yeah. it not it not just the smiley face like that was funny whistling, but the part the where they yeah. they go <laughs> so in cocky. there. Have you guys ever been to a shooting range? In an indoor shooting? No. Range? Yes, I filmed in one. Yeah, I pulled focus oh. in one. Oh, that's actually sick. Okay, well, I went to one and you can't hear fucking anything. So I thought it was so funny and so eighties that they went in there like with the mindset of having a full on conversation with each other as they're wearing earmuffs and shooting guns. And they're just talking normally the whole time as if they can hear each other. And it makes me like it more because it's like, okay, they're having this, like, they're just talking about the case. And I'm just like, you guys can't hear each other right now. Like, this doesn't make sense. And then Mel Gibson, <laughs> the, the, it holds on the shot of him pushing 
the target out as far as he possibly can, and he like looks back at Danny Glover. He's like, mm. and he's <laughs> so like, cocky the oh, whole time. <laughs> yeah. that was great. Like that's it's just it's a testament to, I guess, the filmmaking that they were like, let's hold on this shot because this will be hilarious, which it was. Because it also because yeah. Danny so. Glover is so happy that he like, oh, he got him once right in the face, and like his like chest shots were all perfect. He's like, yeah, beat that. You couldn't do that. And the fact that Mel Gibson just loads a gun whistling <laughs> and then he does it's that so thing where he just yeah, <laughs> all the way to the end and then just boom 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 and i even counted it and they did really good at like was it legit continuity and whatnot okay yeah yeah because he took seven shots and the <laughs> one shot was like one eyeball or the nose and then he did two eyes and the mouth i was like Perfect. That's very yep, impressive they just, from a continuity Yep, the standpoint. editors, did they did everything right because it, because other than that, I'd be sitting there looking at it and be like, uh-uh, nope, he took seven shots. There's only five I remember you, you were Wrong. famous yeah, for pointing it out in Halloween <laughs> 2 that like the gun shots don't match up with Dr. Loomis. Yeah. And I remember cause because even now when yeah. I watch it, it pisses me off. <laughs> so you're very good at the continuity. You should actually be a script supervisor because that's their job. <laughs> Because uh, one of the, in, yeah, in the first Halloween, yeah. he takes six shots because that's all a revolver can hold is a six shot. And then in the second one, there's seven shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, the mysterious uh-uh. gun. no, yeah. wrong. Yeah, the mysterious prop that just went off. You wouldn't think that they would have the, the person who's meant to, because somebody's job is to keep continuity, right, on set. Or maybe multiple people, mm-hmm. I would think. You don't think I would that love they... to do that. Yeah, that sounds fun. That was my favorite thing. Like when they made us uh, edit together scenes of Bonanza and it was like yeah, a gunfight or that. whatnot. I, I specifically was like, no, I have to make this fit just right. And there was only a few ways. And then some of them, of course, in like old footage like that. Yeah, they didn't necessarily care as much. So some things you couldn't avoid. But I, I like it when they they pay attention to those little details because then it makes the movie feel more fluent, easier to follow instead of all these distracting differences yeah, that shouldn't match. For sure. But, shows that I, get, but that's just me. That's like my Green sure. Mile thing. I, yeah. That, I, would, I don't know if that's equivalent, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you guys feel, but I would really argue that this really isn't a throwaway 80s action movie. Like this is no. a quintessential Mount Rushmore, one of the best action movies of the 80s that we've gotten, mm-hmm. be, mainly because of the chemistry and the performances with, of Danny Glover and Mel Gibson and their characters. And just, I just, it, it doesn't, I didn't expect it to work as much as it did, and especially on this rewatch. I really felt it because you see the polar opposite of these two characters, the family man and the suicidal cop. Uh, and then he is just so depressed because of his wife that has passed away and he's so just on the verge of, of suicide and he meets this other guy who's part he's now partnered with who's his family man and basically Danny Glover puts his arm around him and just brings him into his life and it's like invites him over for dinner everything he kind of shows him the ropes a little bit kind of tells you he's like you know what just calm down a little bit you don't have to kill every single person that you see <laughs> just take it easy a little bit yeah. evaluate the situation before you act and it's like Mel Gibson's character, like he needed that other 
polar opposite in his life at this moment where he meets him and i think this movie does a really good job of kind of showcasing that and especially at the end finally which is one of my favorite lines of the movie is when you when gary Busey and mel gibson they're finally face to face and mel gibson says to him he's like oh you want a shot at the title pal like let's go and they just allow them to have this brawl which yeah granted it's not the it's not filmed in the best way it's very bright and the Blu-ray was very clean. I watched it on Blu-ray. I, I I could see everything, but yeah, like the editing was a little strange, and with especially with the the, the helicopter spotlight that would just kind of shine into the camera a lot. That was a little yeah, frustrating. It was poorly um, done. That part, yeah. I think. But I mean, the, um, the fight scene itself, like it was, it was, it was fine. Like you could see what was happening. At least I could. I could see. Mel Gibson was getting his ass kicked for most of it, but finally, like once he does win, he kind of collapses into Danny Glover. And Danny Glover's like, I got you, partner. I got you. And like, it was such an emotional, like, manly type of moment, but like between two guys that was like, okay, damn. Like, I, yeah. Do you really like my wife's cooking? <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> no. No. I thought that nope. scene was kind of funny because like he's he pauses for a good like couple seconds and has to like think about it. And he's like kind of smirking a little bit. He's like, do he's I want to like, be honest or do I want to lie to him? No, I'm gonna just be honest. No, it was better for the buddy <laughs> com and like, oh, because because yeah. that was like a scene like they had previously it. talked about like I can't trust you or something like that, and then the fact that he was like, no, I didn't like your wife's cooking. He's like, okay, this guy's actually legit and he's not gonna lie to my face, in a funny way too. Right. Sorry, I, was good. I got I got sidetracked because. When Mel Gibson's character in that scene does say, like, you have to trust me on this exchange, let's mm-hmm. do it my way, they get tortured and caught eventually. But, like, afterwards, when Mel Gibson was like, let, let me drive, and he's like, okay, you drive. Like, he just lets him. And so he's like, I fully have your trust. I believe in you. Let's go and let's get the bad guy. So they, there is that shift, which is nice. That um, scene with the fire truck, and I, I just I remember the fire truck because it was so older. It was like a, just an older looking <laughs> he fire truck. Doesn't know how to talk with kids. Yeah. Yeah, I I thought that was so funny because like, dude, you, first of all, you have. kids. What did he look like? Like, you tell me. Like, was he white? Was he black? Like, you tell me. <laughs> you guys want some ice cream? Yeah, exactly. They're busting Dixie. They're busting Dixie. <laughs> Dixie D'Amelio, maybe. Yeah. No, I no. wish. But yeah, no, this one I would put maybe not as just 80s movies, but like action movies in general, like pre 2000s, because it's hard to compare action movies from then to now. And with like practical effects being more relevant back then because of money and whatnot. But I'd almost put this up there with T2 for me, because I think Terminator 2 is like my favorite action movie. And this one is pretty close mm. as far as far as me, just because it was funny, it felt more legitimate and it felt like there was more stakes because like they're hearing over the uh, the police scanner, something about oh, a tall guy with glasses and whatnot. And he's like, oh, I bet he has blonde hair, too. And they're like, how'd you? Yeah. How'd you know that, chief? And then he's like. Oh shit, my daughter's going out on a date with this guy. And they show up, and the thing on the paper, like, I think it was made to be funny, but it was actually quite sinister because it said, um, your daughter looks so beautiful naked or something like that. And I was like, holy crap, they actually, like, wrote that out. And so that's very threatening. Like, it's not one thing if they're just like, we have your daughter, don't make us do anything or whatever but they wrote that and i'm like oh 
I don't know if I like that. <laughs> I don't. I didn't remember that they actually said that outright. But doesn't this movie have, as do all '80s and all action films and a lot of mainstream films in general, but like two very con- convenient instances where Danny Glover just happens to be connected to what's happening, like that scene mm-hmm. in particular where Gary Busey just happens to be dating his daughter. And then the initial scene where he knows the guy who's the father of the girl who killed herself. It's like, all right, sure, I'll I'll go, I'll, I'll roll with it. I'll roll with the punches. Almost here. like they needed it <laughs> to tie in somehow, so they had like, oh, we know where we're gonna start. We know where we're finishing. So like, we have all the components. I don't think they needed the first one because they don't really go anywhere with with like. I don't ever. I don't even think you see the father of that the initial dead girl again in the whole film. Do you? Oh yeah, yeah. You see, see the one that when gets, he gets killed, oh, it's that he's guy. the one that gets shot, and he's also the one that's like freaking out at Danny Glover, and he's like, "You need to go kill them all in public," saying that, and, like at a full yeah, and, voice. <laughs> and at one point, I was kind of confused on who the who was Alliance, who were alliances, and who wasn't, because I'm like, the dad of this girl is bringing in cocaine, but this other group is also trying to steal the cocaine. And then as the movie was going on, I'm like, oh, he's like, because I forgot about the line where he says he's a banker so he can make everything look legitimate. Sure. Yeah. And then he gets killed and his daughter gets killed because like she finds out and he tries to contact Danny Glover and they find that out. And so they're compromised. And so I did a little bit of reading and I was like, oh, this makes sense. Because at the beginning, when you're like, oh, you missed missed phone calls from this friend. It's because he was trying to tell him about this stuff, but he couldn't. And because he didn't answer the phone. And then it all just leads into whatever. But, oh, when Gary Busey comes up on that helicopter, it's just stereotypical 80s bad guy with like the like the black John Lennon glasses and the oh, sniper yeah. and the turtleneck. Like, yeah, that's Gary Busey right there. Good old Gary Busey. He plays a good villain. It's hard to hate. It's hard to... Because he looks like a villain. Because, like, you can't see Gary Busey <laughs> as a good guy in, like, Mm-mm. anything, right? I just, like, he kind of has to play like that villain. Lead. A romantic Polar opposite, like, like Julia Roberts. He plays Timothy. Or he's Chalamet's like the dad in Kissing Booth Four. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Say he plays Timothy Chalamet's character in Little Women. That's what was my yeah. comparison. There you go. Tim Emma Watson and like Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. Yeah. That'd be that'd be good. <laughs> oh, good lord! Lethal Weapon. It was a delight. Yeah, honestly, it was. Okay, so is this movie a Christmas film? Yeah. No. Yes. Nate said no. John says yes. yes for me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so John, why are you saying yes? I don't think a movie has to be enveloped in Christmas being like the central story of the movie. Like, oh, it's definitely Christmas. I mean, the fact that it... I, I actually might prefer movies that just happen to take place at a certain time, which is Christmas. I don't know if it... I don't know if it changes the movie otherwise. So I can see where this is going already. You're saying because a movie that it doesn't have to take place around. Okay. It doesn't have to be about the Christmas spirit. It doesn't have to take, like it doesn't have to have all the Christmas themes in the film for it to be a Christmas movie. Nate, do you think it does? 
Well, I th- I think the story needs to have some remnants. I think it does. Of Christmas for it to be the Christmas movie. Yeah, the opinion. only thing that it is is like, and they hardly even mention Christmas other than the music. They like, say Merry he Christmas has, to everybody in this movie. I think yeah. this film does. I don't. It, I, it just. It, it has the. I think it's circumstantial. Do consider, Nate, do you consider Die Hard a Christmas movie? Hell no. No. Okay. Okay. So that's the no. issue right there. And John, you would consider Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yeah. I, I, yes. And I would consider okay. this one even more of a Christmas movie because it's like look at Mel Gibson's character. He's living alone in a trailer. He kind There's, of he doesn't so much get like brought into the Danny Glover's household, but. He is becoming a part of it around the holidays and kind of influencing the family in a way where he's like a close family friend. Because it does have the themes of, yeah, being alone around the holidays and how hard that is. I mean, yeah. especially he's feeling it because he lost his, his wife. Sure. It wouldn't have I, as much. But that's, why, but that's why he's alone and going crazy. Not because of, oh, the Christmas holidays no, got is, me though. down. No, my wife is gone so, and I'm going to kill myself. Upset. It has nothing to do with a Christmas it's, He's more upset connection. because it is the holidays, though. If this just took place in the middle of, of you know, he feels April, it, a little it bit wouldn't more, matter as much. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I just like with Die Hard, it's the villains have nothing to do with Christmas. Um, the only circumstance is that the place that they're trying to take over happens to have a Christmas party going on. Right. If there was a yeah. Thanksgiving dinner going on, would it be a Thanksgiving movie? Yes, because John Candy Probably. would be there trying to sell shower curtain. <laughs> but, okay, here's the thing. Okay, and I think this is where I've landed on. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Is Lethal Weapon a Christmas movie? My answer is honestly no. But is this a movie that you should watch around the Christmas time holiday? Yeah. Why the fuck not? Because it Mm -hmm. does have all the Christmas music. They say it has it centered around the holiday too. Sure. Like put it on your Christmas cycle because why not? You're so tired of seeing the same movies over and over again. Why not throw some other movies on that have some Christmas undertones because it just diversifies your your film watching around the holidays. (laughs) So you don't have to watch Home Alone and A Christmas Story and Elf (laughs) a hundred million times on the same fucking day. That's what I'm saying. Santa Claus doesn't need to be a character in the movie for it to be a Christmas movie. That's all I'm and saying. It doesn't. It, That's, no, I'm not okay. saying that either. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. But I do think the story itself has to have some sort of Christmas connection. Just because you say Merry Christmas, yeah. it's circumstance. It's the time that go. they're in. If it was Thanksgiving, they'd say, oh, happy Thanksgiving. Have a good day. But that doesn't make it a Thanksgiving movie. Sure. Like, 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 because the villains aren't doing anything to have to do with it. it if it was like... I, I don't even know. I can't really... Go into it's it. A loaded, I guess, that's a loaded question. It is a loaded question. But it, 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 you could be right or wrong. It doesn't. There's no. And it's a two-sided right question to wrong answer because I made it a two-sided question. Because is this a movie that you could watch around Christmas time? Yeah, absolutely. Just like Die but that's Hard. a yeah, that's a personal choice. Exactly. Like some sure. people might want to, some might but not. Exactly. Like, some people kind of want to be in the Christmas spirit. Does this have the Christmas spirit? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The fuck no. <laughs> Besides. The, oh, I, I actually wrote down all the Christmas stuff. It has it opens because with of the Bell Rock, Mel Gibson with the <laughs> Christmas tree bust. We have Silent Night the, with the police officers, like when they were in the offices, like the, the lady, the sergeant's like, okay, and Silent Night. <laughs> so they go on that. <laughs> uh, yeah. The theme around being alone on Christmas with Mel Gibson. 
You have Jingle Bells play when Roger tells Mike that his daughter's dead. Uh, nice. And then you also have the whole ending, too. I mean, around like, the Christmas lights. And you have the big scene that's only illuminated with Christmas tree lights. So, like, you have Christmas around the movie. It's there for a reason. But it's not a Christmas spirit type of movie the way, like, Elf. Klaus. Klaus. Klaus is <laughs> yeah. a great example of, like, it's, it's, it's different with, like, the themes in the story, but it, it is all about Christmas, and it has the Christmas spirit, which is nice. So, no, it's not a Christmas uh, movie per se, but is it a movie that you could watch around this holiday? Absolutely, because <laughs> yeah. why not? Because like, are you are you more are you more likely to put this movie in on in the middle of August or December? Yeah, that's a th- August. I, mean, August. It, okay. I don't know how familiar you guys are with Iron Man Three, which is the same writer of Lethal Weapon, Shane Black, who uh, wrote and directed Iron Man Three. But Iron Man Three is set around Christmas time for some mm-hmm. reason. Just like the story just takes place yeah. around Christmas for for no reason, has nothing to do with Christmas and the story itself. But the holidays present for some reason. And this same sounds with more um, expensive. For the filmmakers. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, his other directorial debut, which was in contention to uh, be watched here. But <clears throat> anyways, Lethal Weapon, as a first time watch, Nate, where are you going to go? Overall thoughts and a grade. Overall thoughts and a grade. This movie had some of the, my favorite one-liners, like the one about being a falsetto if he got shot two inches lower. And just the fluidity and the realism that these two buddy cop characters, they they seem like genuine friends, or they become genuine friends. Just the kind of corny, campy villain with Gary Busey and the, like, Sergeant McAllister, who's, like, the main bad guy, who doesn't really do a whole lot in this movie. He's, like... Yeah, he's like the ringmaster, but Christmas. you don't really see him. You get you get more of Mr. Joshua with the Gary Busey character. Um, but I would put as far as like if we were doing a Mount Rushmore buddy cop movies, I would say this one takes the place of the George Washington head. Yeah. Put that one right there. Lethal weapon. Cause I love Mel Gibson. And Danny Glover isn't anything to not write home about. He's been in so many movies. My, one of my favorites is Angels in the Outfield um, with a young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And yeah. You're like him young uh, on those movie dudes. What? <laughs> well, especially when it's I Lawrence Fishburne. What? I, Thanks for giving I, me anything to cut out of the episode. <laughs> You're I not going to cut that out and you know it. <laughs> like the, other two mem- the other two members of those movie dudes do not... <laughs> No, it's do just, not take part no, in any of the ideals of no um <laughs> but this movie is a lot of fun it does have some like flaws but just like for me some of the like the fight at the end maybe it was just because of the version i watched it looked really grainy and it didn't look that great um but other than that I just had a whole lot of fun and just seeing Mel Gibson and every time he went crazy, he always had the need to like slap his face, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, Good physical comedy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like the minute the word crazy comes up, he's like crazy. Do you just call me? You just just call me crazy. (laughs) You think I'm crazy? Uh, But I will give this movie a very, 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 very solid four out of five. I had a whole lot of fun. 
I did like how the opening of the movie started with boobs. I know that's pretty misogynist of me, but like, so does the on. nice guys. It, it, it's the opening. Yeah, it, female power. Yeah, it's just the fact that she perishes is very sad. But it, it was just funny the way that they went about this secret Vietnam group that ended up killing everybody and running the Vietnam War and then smuggling heroin. And the fact that they acknowledge, yeah, we've got a big delivery coming. Why don't you just call it heroin? Like, why do you guys, like... Yeah, he says yeah, it, right. Why do you guys... <laughs> That's Shane Black. Uh, I mean, he came along and just kind of switched things up with the dialogue and everything at the time. Mm-hmm. Kind of just created the genre that we know today and the tropes. But four out of five. Okay, that is five, a solid grade that I am very happy by. Uh, John, uh, I'll pass it over to you before I give my final thoughts on the grade. Uh, this is your first time watch, obviously. Lethal Weapon, 1987, Buddy Cop, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Richard Donner film here. What you got here, bud? Whoa, thank you for that introduction. Or, or intro, <laughs> what you got intro here, to bud? What I'm about to say. Um, no, I, I think this film, it, 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 I think it stands the test of time, and I also think it was before its time, because if this was the original Buddy Cop film, it did it pretty darn well. Um, I love Mel Gibson in this movie. I love Danny Glover. I think he overacts in some scenes, but it's the 80s, and that's expected, and I expect them to be on set with the camera rolling and the director to just be like, yeah, keep going, just keep going, and we'll leave it in, we'll leave it in, we'll leave it in, <laughs> and that's what it kind of felt like in some scenes, but I I really enjoyed it. A little bit over the top, and Mel Gibson's character was just, they played off each other so well with each other, which is the whole point of a buddy cop film. Um I really love the action scenes, and I actually did care about these guys. So um, I can totally understand why people hold this film like up there for just one of the best best action movies of all time. Um, I don't know if I can get up to a four out of five though. It's gonna be close. I don't know if we're gonna do push-ups tonight, but after a first time watch, I really really enjoyed it. I think I this is totally a movie that I would throw four on four out of five four out of Christmas five. time. What? I'm going to go three and a half out of five. Three and a half out of five. Okay. All right. Well, that's your honest opinion. That's yeah. Totally I can't fun. lie to you guys. I can't just put it up just because I want to do push-ups. <laughs> I do that. It would be 87 push-ups, <laughs> guys. Not- it would be 87 push-ups. No, what I mean, no. I already, I already had that mapped out. The budget was fifteen million dollars. It would have been fifteen push-ups. So don't no, worry that's about a reach, dude. We did thirteen um, push-ups for Walter Mitty because it came out in 2013. We would have to do 87 tonight. You always got to switch it up, and it's got to be a reason. And the budget was $15 million. <laughs> I did the research. I figured it out. I was prepared because I... To do 15 push-ups. <laughs> I give this movie yeah. a 4 out of 5 as well. I match grade, oh. uh, Nate's grade. I originally gave it a 4 out of 5, and it matches on this rewatch. The movie is just, like I've said before already in this episode, it is the quintessential action buddy cop movie that I want. I love the nice guys. I love Lethal Weapon. I wouldn't have gotten the nice guys if I didn't get Lethal Lethal Weapon. And I got to respect where the blueprint came from, and that is this movie. And I just love the the music in this movie. I love the performances. They're so committed to these roles. Like, you don't really get it these days with the the films that come out. Like, Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe were great in The Nice Guys, but they weren't as committed as Mel Gibson was with his unhinged, unorthodox, you don't know what he's going to do next type of performance and then matched with someone who's so polar opposite, but yet they work so well on screen together. So I got to give it credit where it's due. I was so into the final, like, 
45 minutes of the film like I was on the edge of my seat even though I had seen the film before so I was having a blast so I'm gonna give it a four out of five I love this movie but I will say as far as movie sequels go you have the Dark Knight you have Spider-Man 2 you have Before Sunset Shrek 2 Paddington 2 Aliens, T2, Godfather 2, Toy Story 2 even, Batman Returns. Just you have say great it. legacy, Just... not legacy, but you have great sequels that exist <laughs> in it. Hollywood. And say Lethal Weapon 2 is better than the first. Oh. Lethal Weapon 2 leans into what works so well with the first one. It has everything that you love about the first one, but it amps it up to a different level. And... I am absolutely going to pick Lethal Weapon 2 at some point in Season 6, and we are going to watch Lethal Weapon 2. I'm going to cut it off there. I'm not going to go into 3 and 4 where they go into full-on Three Stooges, Joe Pesci, Chris Rock, Slapstick, but Lethal Weapon 2 is a great fucking time, and we are going to watch it at some point in Season 6. So, uh... Are you sure? I hope so. I just I hope so because it's fun. I'll I'll wait a while. I'll wait a full fucking like ten months. But week we we yeah I'll wait two weeks. <laughs> but I I like for some reason when I was watching this movie, I had scenes of Lethal Weapon two in my mind that I was waiting to see in this rewatch, but it never came because it was Lethal yeah. Weapon two. I'm like oh fuck because I wanted to talk about those scenes. All right, Lethal Weapon. Uh. It's a Christmas movie, for fuck's sake. Watch it on Christmas. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, come on, guys. It's more Christmassy than Die Hard, and everyone talks about goddamn Die Hard on the Christmas and during hol- the holidays. It is so. oddly more Christmassy than Die Hard, which is strange. It is 100% more Christmassy. But Die Hard Imagine is, if each the, one of th- is the go-to argument of like, oh, Die Hard's a Christmas mo- is a Christmas movie, and they're like, no, it's not. Fuck you. But Imagine if each sequel had to do with a different holiday, and then the fifth one was just like, how can we keep doing these ones by different holidays? I don't know. What's happening this time? Arbor Day. Oh, <laughs> I, well, like I guess we br- <laughs> breeze has his throat slip. Happy Easter. All right. That's, dude, that's, a, that's a Fast and the Furious did. Lethal Weapon 6. <laughs> if Fast and the Furious did the first movie during Christmas time, they would have been fucking screwed running out of holidays. Right? What's it? Dobbs and Shaw is about like... Labor Day. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Or, There's a movie or Indigenous Peoples Day. Ooh, ooh. Jesus, yeah. yeah. I mean, might as well. I mean, that's uh, what I was wondering what was going to happen with all those like Gary Marshall movies that came out with like Valentine's Day. You had New Year's Eve. You had Mother's Day. I miss like, you know that he was planning like Easter and fucking Columbus Day and Easter brunch. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. But anyways, um, yeah, that was our episode on Lethal Weapon. Uh, let us know what you think of this film down below in the comments on Instagram. Hopefully you follow us on Instagram and you go and like our photo of the Lethal Weapon collection. Lethal Weapon 2 is going to come out at some point on Season 6. I don't know when, but I promise you guys I'm going to pick it at some point and just like pair it against a movie that we all hate, so we're forced to try to watch it. I don't know. but uh, What if you just did it as the Christmas episode every year? <laughs> oh, next Christmas we're doing Lethal Weapon 3. I like that. <laughs> I won't put you guys through the 3 and 4. but um, so It's going to be the same episode again, basically, with just different comedic moments. Exactly. But, um, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a break before our season finale of season five here. We're going to do our best of 2022. It's going to come out 
What did we agree? It was like going to be January twelfth or thirteenth. Yeah, I thought it was the nineteenth. That's going to be the launch of. That's going to be National Treasure two. January twelfth is a Thursday. Oh, that's when it's going to come out. So, yep. the week before. So the second week of January. Uh, that's when you can go and check out our episode of the best of 2022. We watched a whole bunch of movies of the year, and we're going to give you guys our top five of the year plus some honorable mentions and a stinker. So look forward to that after the new year. Uh, and then, yeah, season six coming up uh, January 19th. So we got a little bit of time, about a month. Fucking so go. Go and I'm watch so the movies that are going to be announced in Collector's Corner. Preview number six. It's going to be season six. We're launching into it. Here we go. 2023. Those movie dudes, thank you for listening. Thank you for season five. That is it for me. Go and follow us uh, at those movie dudes on Instagram. You can keep up with us on all things movies. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Toodle-loos. Toodles, everybody. Merry Christmas. I'm still a decade. And I...